the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Friday the 15th, and you're tuned in. Oh, well, Friday the 13th is what I'm thinking of. Okay, it's not Friday the 13th, but it's Friday the 15th. Dodge you're tuned the in. There. Dodged a huge bullet. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can text us, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. But happy Friday, fellas. Happy Friday to you as well. Happy Friday, indeed. How are we feeling? You know, I'm rejuvenated. Uh, a friend of mine came through in the clutch with some Billy View Pit football tickets yesterday. And that is literally, I, w- I was talking to this with a couple of my buddies last night. <laughs> that is the most WVU big game, I need a ticket situation I've ever heard. Oh, Where you end I, up getting it for wild. like dirt cheap out of nowhere last second. It's ridiculous. I know people that are showing up that don't have a ticket that are just hoping somehow. Like, I don't know if they're going to gate rush or if they're just going to hope that somebody gets drunk and it falls out of their pocket. But I know several people that are going to be there just for the experience. They W Pitt. They're, a lot of y'all they're praying to get into the stadium. They, a lot of you young West Virginia fans have never been a part of one. Of I've these. never been to one. I, yeah. I I've never been to one so, for football. I've honestly never. I've I've been around to watch them, but I've never been to one. And uh, West Virginia Pitt game. It sounds like it's going to be a blast. I'm sure it's going to be. You ever seen? Uh, I'm not like a Grateful Dead fan, but you know, like how big of a deal the oh, yeah. like the pre-show things are for Grateful oh, yeah. Dead, and you'll just see people selling stuff, and they'll just have their hand up with like a one <laughs> asking for a ticket. I'm sure that's how it's going to be uh, over Morgantown this weekend. But we'll get into talking about it a little bit more. But I just want quick, uh, off the top of the head reactions. Do you think West Virginia wins? I do. Uh, I, I really do. I think that Pitt's a team that that struggles to stop the run. I think that a lot of what they've said. Uh, has done a lot to really rile up this West Virginia crowd. You know, Pat Narduzzi is just not a very mm-hmm. nice person, and neither is Phil Dracovich. And I know that the Mountaineer fans have a lot of demons to exercise, and they're going to do their best to exercise him against Pitt tomorrow. What do you think, Park? Not only West Virginia wins, West Virginia wins by double digits. Oh, oh I don't know about that. Double digits, huh? Well, yep. we'll see. We'll see. We got to see what happens. Uh, uh, the vitriol and Puskar. I do want to say this. Not that it matters because I don't know how many people that are listening or going to the game. Uh, I have from very good sources that you can't find batteries in Morgantown right now. Oh They've my been gosh. sold out of every Walmart, Menards, whatever. Let's not tarnish West Virginia's reputation oh, by yes, turning please. that into a war zone. Uh, I, I mean, let's. You. Let's pump the brakes on that. I was that. like, man, is that just because too many people were tailgating? <laughs> <laughs> no. If you know anybody that's going to, to the game, let's let's, yeah. let's 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 be classy here. Trying to pull a Philly, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, no, no batteries or nickels thrown onto the field, please. Do, do people, like students, people would still get in a ton of trouble now if they get caught burning couches? Yeah, they haven't they had have. a reason to. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't happened since, what, 2018? I remember. I mean, yeah. I may or may not have been in an area. The answer to that is, yeah, depending on where it is and how it's being done. If West, that's the thing. Like, I don't know what the interaction is going to be because Pitt's really not that good, mm-hmm. but it's Pitt. You know, I don't think they'd storm the field if they win, but I mean, I'm excited to be mixed up in what's going to happen in downtown Morgantown if, mm-hmm. if they were to win. 
Well, I'm excited to see what goes down. I'm excited to see what happens. And yesterday, of course, you can always text us, 304-263-4321. We got a tip yesterday that there was uh, some weird things happening over at Hedgesville High School in terms of the football field. We got word that there was a sinkhole that opened up uh, during the freshman football game. All the players involved were fine. Uh, but still, you don't want a sinkhole on the only field you got to play all your football games on. So you all went over there yesterday. Uh, what's the scene like over at Hedgesville? It's a little bit of a weird situation. It just... One of those things you can kind of jokingly call it an act of God, and everybody's okay. Just yep. in a small incident happened earlier in the week uh, that that created a hazard on the field that they had to bring out some geotechnicians to take a look at. And for the time being, Hedgesville's not allowed to play on their football mm-hmm. field. So for home games, their practice field is fine. They can still practice, but uh, they don't have a home game here for a couple of weeks, but they're going to have to play that along with their JV freshman games um, in a different location. And I know they're endeavoring to look for a new home in the meantime. But yeah, just one of those situations that talking to people that were there when it happened, it was just bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not something that you see every day, Uh, but everybody's okay. And they took the necessary steps to to check the field. And for the time being, uh, you know, I know long term Hedgesville wants to turf that field. Yeah. And I don't know if this is something this that they're the impetus. Yeah. If this is something that it. they can use to accelerate that process. Um, but again, you know, to, to, to no fault of anybody's. I mean, these schools have been around. Uh, Hedgesville has been around for 40, 50 years. And it's just one of those things that just kind of happens. And thankfully, everybody's okay. And they're they're taking the right steps uh, to deal with it. But the biggest takeaway, again, is that Hedgesville for, for football, soccer plays in a separate facility. Um, Hedgesville for football does not have a place to play right yeah. now. And I'm sure they'll figure something out. There'll they'll be some sort of co- accommodations made for Hedgesville to get over that way. But just a crazy event that is. You don't you don't expect something like that to happen. Just one of those act of God type of things. Again, glad everybody's okay. No one's in serious. No one got any serious injuries or anything of that nature. But it, it does it does raise the concern now. Does is does this project need to be accelerated this year or next year? What's well, a lot point. of money like though, and you can't put turf down. No, it's a lot of, of money, dude. Well, if if there is not a full time situation figured out, whether it's turfing the field or just putting a band aid over the problem at this point, do you go a full year next year playing on someone else's field? Yeah. Let, let's just say hypothetically here. Let's just say that they might be able to use Shepherd's Field just just for a hypothetical situation here. It, how long would they have to do that? Do you think? If how long would it take for them to pass? I don't and see this being this? an issue next football season. No, yeah. I don't either. But it's tough when you start getting into having to use other stadiums and stuff because, like, if you think about Shepherd, first thing you think of was well they play on Saturday it's not going to matter but they got other sports that are playing mm-hmm. and uh, on that field and different things throughout the week mm-hmm. so you got to try and you know stuff your way into that schedule and then when it go to other high schools and you got to worry about gate and you got to worry about you know money and different money travel and things like this and it's school. not your right. it's not your locker room right. it's not your parking space it's not down the street from your house and this is a an eagle team that needs to catch some breaks mm-hmm. i mean they're walking into a lions den tonight in herbert hoover and if they get punched in the mouth then you start to worry, you know, this team needs to get it together and try to save their season and make the playoffs. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I fully expect Hedgesville to go down there and give them a good game. But let's say Hedgesville loses by 21 points tonight. Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden you have the rest of the season thrown into obscurity and then you don't have a home stadium. And it's harder for you to then grab the reins of the season and direct things back. Uh, and again, it's nobody's fault. It's yeah. just one of those things that happens. Yeah. And and I mean, cooler headshot. I, I like the way it was handled yesterday. We got to to speak to their athletic director, Mrs. Van Dyne, is doing a fantastic job of keeping everything under control. And the same with uh, Coach Faircloth. So I, I'm sure that cooler heads will prevail. But this is the kind of thing that can kind of throw a monkey wrench into a season. 
Yeah, especially a season that hasn't quite gotten off to the right foot, or at least the foot that Hedgesville uh, would have wanted. But shout out to our anonymous tip texter <laughs> on our text line, 304-263-4321. You can always get in touch with us, whether it's giving us a tip like that, talk a little smack, maybe on Parker's picks if he uh, lost you a buck or two one of these days, which hasn't necessarily been the case the last couple of weeks. But uh, I'll let you get into your picks a little bit later on today. But we'll get to this first break early because tonight – we have uh, a big Berkeley Springs game and a big, big EPAC game to talk about, uh, which is our EPAC game of the week between Musselman and Spring Mill. So we'll get to previewing that and uh, here in a little bit on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Text in at 304-263-4321. Welcome back to Paint Handle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchwell building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Uh, Parker over on 92.9 WXDC tonight. A little bit of a rivalry matchup at Morgan Field as the Kaiser Golden Tornado are making their way to Morgan County. Yeah, classic matchup between these two teams that are part of that Potomac Valley area in Berkeley Springs and Kaiser. The Tribe, a little beat up coming into this game from what we were told. It looks like Holden Gerson is probably done for the year as well as status of Aiden Kane is still unknown as of today, how serious his groin injury is. We'll get word on that before game time and we'll clear up everything you need to know at 645 for the Tribe pregame show over on WXDC. But it's a chance for the Tribe to show something yet again. Again, the first half of the schedule has been a tough one. It's been grueling. You look at the lineup, a Petersburg team that's going to be a playoff team in class single A. You've got a Kaiser team that's looking like they're going to be a playoff team in class double A, Greencastle, who is in the highest classification in the state of Pennsylvania. And then you have an East Fairmont team who is yet again going to be yet again another playoff team, it looks like, in class double A. It's been a tough run in these first four games, and this has been a gauntlet stretch, which as we're getting towards that middle point of the year in high school, towards the back half stretch, they're going to be battle tested, but they got the chance to pull off that win that I know a lot of people in Morgan County have been waiting to see for a long time for Berkeley Springs. Oakland's next Saturday. That team isn't very good. You've got Frankfurt coming up, which is another rivalry matchup. Then you have teams like Braxton who have been struggling this year as well and more coming down the line that could have the Tribe finally get that proverbial win they've been looking for. It's a tough task for Kaiser tonight. Again, I'm looking for things the Tribe can show. They've shown improvement in different vasts of their team, but I'm really looking for that offensive line to grow a little bit in this game because it has struggled throughout the first three games of the season. they got to show me something tonight. And that'll be over on 92.9 to be XDC with the, the Tribe pregame show starting at 645. And uh, we got you covered over here on WPM and WCST as well for our Panhandle Game of the Week. And we've been talking about this uh, throughout the week, this matchup between Musselman and Spring Mills. It's over at Waldeck Field in South Berkeley. But this is a premier quarterback matchup. And I think this is a game where it means a lot for both teams. For uh, Musselman, if you lose to Spring Mills, then that gives you, I think, a couple different red flags starting to pop up uh, in your season. But for Spring Mills, if you win this game and you finally have taken that next step, I think, uh, to you know progress maybe a little bit further into the playoffs this year. So, Luke, what are you thinking about this Musselman-Spring Mills matchup today? Well, that's the thing. and I, I guess it's a little bit of a hot take since we're just in week four. If Spring Mills wins this game, they're making the playoffs. Yep. And obviously that's the goal for this team when they've played these underclassmen for years and years to get them ready up until this point. Uh, if Musselman wins this game, they, they prove that they're a legitimate top eight, top ten program in the state right now coming off of that tough loss 
um, against Morgantown. I would say that Spring Mills has a little bit of an advantage on the ground, especially with a mobile quarterback. And Alex Eaton is running the ball a lot better this year, uh, I feel, than last season. Musselman's got the better passer and Fleming, probably better depth at wide receiver. But you've got two really good offensive and defensive lines, two really solid linebacking cores as well that I'm excited to see in action tonight. And I would say questions, especially with the health of Isaiah Beard and a little bit of question after last week's injury against Morgantown. Two secondaries that are athletic and can make plays that need to make plays. Uh, so it's going to be a close game. I, I, I bet you this game is going to be decided by less than 10 points. I think Musselman would be the favorite, but Spring Mills has a lot to say about that, especially with that unique 3-3-5 and Max Anderson's a gamer. Um, so there's going to be a lot on the line tonight. Now, if you head back or head over to our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page, you can listen back to our conversation with Musselman coach Thomas a little bit earlier this week. Uh, but Luke, we were able to catch up with Coach Law uh, to uh, get some of his thoughts ahead of this big EPAC matchup. Let's uh, go ahead and start by me asking you about some of your thoughts from this season. Um, that first week one game against Jefferson, it literally came down to a couple of yards and a couple of seconds, Coach. And then you guys rattle off two really impressive wins in a row against some out-of-state teams. So uh, start by giving me some of your, your general thoughts uh, from this season. Well, just uh, again from that first game there, I, I thought, well, going into it, we had a lot of uncertainty given the situation that we were in. Um, a lot of assistant coaches stepping up to different roles that we haven't had to do before. And the players, just the resiliency of them, like shutting the outside noise out and actually going into that game, it was something new. Um, but the way they handled themselves, you know, being down, I want to say it was either like 14-6, 21-6. And, and the way they came at that second half, and we, we started to move the ball. We got a couple scores, and, they, and the guys really fought tooth and nail to get back into that game. And, and you're right, it came down to a two-minute offense, and if we had a little more time and just a little more real estate, uh, I think we could have been able to turn some different things around with that game. But overall, really, really proud of those guys, just, just the way they fought, because in years past, our team would have got to that halftime, and then we would have just would have stopped playing. We would have gave in, that, that, that defeat piece. So right there is just something that we can build on there. And then we go into the Albert Gallatin game uh, for that one. We're missing a few players, and again, just a tough minus set of seniors with us. Uh, we were able to uh, get some things going a little bit slow the first half, and then really pick things up. Um, and it, it, again, it's the same tell for the um, South South Hager style game. Um, just again, I tell my guys all the time: we're just one play at a time, just staying within the moment, and just trying to make the most of everything. Uh, well, before we talk about some of your playmakers on offense, uh, it, it seems as though over some, some of the characteristics for you guys defensively has carried over from a season ago. And I know that Coach Heston is a tremendous ups, uh, asset. Excuse me. Uh, three really solid defensive performances in a row from your ball club. And, you know, that three three five when you run it well, as you know better than I do, it, it can certainly be deadly. So you have to be happy with where your club is uh, defensively through the first three games of the season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, anytime you get a coach with the caliber of Coach Hesson, man, he's been around for 20-some years, um, been eight state championships. He, he knows a little bit about the game, and so I completely trust him. And you're right, they, they really did pick up where they left off. You know, we got guys like Alex Eaton, um, who, who really started seeing things very late um, last season. He's missing, he's, he's filling the gaps and just more of a unit instead of one guy trying to do it all. And so that's really great to see. 
Well, uh, let's talk obviously about offense then and the, the steps that Max Anderson has, has taken. I, I've only seen him play in that, that, that uh, Jefferson game, but he seems as somebody that was a, a battering ram last year that has really found a little bit of rhythm and more poise in the pocket and, and some more depth at wide receiver has certainly helped that as well. So in the growth that you've seen from Max in the offseason and of course from week one now to week four, uh, can you talk about the, the player that he's turned into? Well, Max, like, if you, if you get to know Max, he is the kind of kid that's going to try to be a perfectionist to whatever sport he's in. And so one of the things I've noticed from him is he's, he's taking a little more um, ownership in, in each throw that he makes. So that, for me, started uh, this past offseason, working more with the receivers, working on cuts, and, and actually Max trying to understand what a defense is doing to him. We also spent a lot of time with Max just um, taking what the defense is going to give him. But, of course, like the part for Max, like he, he does a really good job as far as running the ball, but we've really tried to step it up a little bit with his uh, presence in the pocket piece of it. Well, it seems as though you've got some different wide receivers that can do some different things. You know, Keon's got a little bit of yeah. a burner, Hope's a, a route runner. You've got um, uh, yep. Xavier, who's a kind of a big body guy. Is that kind of the sense you get as well, that you've got wide receivers that can fill different roles? Yeah, absolutely, and that's the one thing nice. Like, you don't have to sit there and zoom in on one particular player uh, with those different kinds of guys. It does give us a different option of what we can do for them. I wanted to ask you about uh, your offensive and defensive line. I know you've got a couple of guys that play both ways, uh, but you've got yeah. Profit and you've got uh, Nate up there. It, it seems as though they're they're similar to, to Keon and Max Coach that – these are guys that have taken their lumps as freshmen that now are upperclassmen, and they're starting to play with you know more maturity, right, and a little bit more experience. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. And that actually carries on into the practice phase of things, too. Like, in years past, it would have been more of a playful thing. But they're, they're taking that ownership and, and taking it more serious, even with the older catcher as well. Um, but, yeah, you get a guy like Profit and Anthony to anchor those two sides for you. It's, it's been really nice. Uh, well, lastly, let me ask you about your opponents this week in, in Musselman. You've got a, a traditional pocket-passing style of quarterback to work with, an experienced offensive line, good playmakers, and a, a really established program. Uh, what intimidates you a little bit about your matchup with Mus Musselman, and what are you looking forward to? Well, honestly, looking forward to the challenge. Uh, honestly, what we've done these last few weeks, um, it's been great for the program. In this game here with Coach Thomas, who's been doing it for 10-plus years, you know, his guys are going to be fundamentally sound. They're going to be ready to play. And it gives us a chance to see where we are. Uh, we're definitely excited for the opportunity. Uh, and we look forward to getting out there and seeing what we can do. Again, that's Luke catching up with uh, Spring Mills Coach Law uh, yesterday. And I like Coach Law a lot, man. Uh, like we were talking during the first break there, my nephew, he's playing with the Little Cardinals. He's always around the youth programs, checking in. He's got the you know varsity team there checking in, uh, which is a big part of trying to continue to build this growing culture there at Spring Mills. But I think this team has the opportunity, and we've talked about this uh, earlier this season, to beat, and I think if they are going to beat any of the big three, this could be the one that they could beat in the Appleman. Uh, and it's going to go on the shoulders of Max Anderson, but I think in these four weeks, he's made significant strides in turning into that guy and being that go-to quarterback that Coach Law and the Cardinals need. Yeah, we'll talk about a team that's faced some adversity and it could really derail their season. You could say the argument could be the same for Spring Mills. They lose their coach. Uh, you know, Coach Law steps in along with Coach Hess and does a fantastic job, and they didn't I, I, I be careful I say this. They didn't lose the Jefferson game. It just right. it was just one right. of those things that Jefferson 
both teams deserve to win. And if Spring Mills had, you know, 30 more seconds and five fewer yards, maybe they had a chance to come back in that game. So, and you talk about beating a member of the big three, they almost did. And then I fully expect them to get close to, if not beat uh, another member of that big three tonight. And then you have two teams that let's be honest, Albert Gallatin's not any good Mm -hmm. and South Hagerstown is rebuilding, but you dominate a bad team, which is a, great sign for a program that's trying to be a playoff contender and then you close to dominate a team that's where you were last year or the season before you know if they had two unconvincing wins in a row or goodness forbid lose one of those games then we would be talking about well man you know the cardinals another year where they're not going to live up to expectations they don't have to beat muscleman to make the playoffs but beating muscleman would put them in a very good spot to make the postseason because they've got two winnable games three winnable games four winnable games in a row when you look at North Hagerstown, Washington, Frankfurt, and University, who is coming off a loss to Brook for the first time since, I think, 2016. So there's winnable games for Spring Mills, but you know how can they establish themselves as further than just, uh, we want to be the 16th seed and get right. demolished in the first round, to we want to be the 12 or the 11 or the 10 and go on the road somewhere and really challenge somebody. They've got the pieces to do that, and that's exactly what they're going to try to prove against Musselman tonight. Bookmark this. If Spring Mills wins this game tonight, they're going to win seven games this season. <laughs> All right. I, I feel like this is a game, if Spring Mills wins it, they have arrived. And this is the time for them to make that statement tonight. It's a Musselman team. You can look at it at one of two ways. Either this team is looking out for revenge after a tough game against Morgantown, or Musselman is wounded, depending on how you want to approach it as a Cardinals player. It's the chance for this program to make a statement. And if they do it tonight... I think they keep that engine in the steam going, take out North, take out Washington, take out Frankfurt. The university came. I gave them a loss just because it's at university. I don't have them beating Martinsburg, but I think they beat Hedgesville at the end of the year if they end up beating Musselman. This is a real chance for Spring Mills to make that statement, get a big-time win for this program and that player core that they've built up with Mills, with Anderson, Braden Kirk, all those players that they have right now that they've been growing it's the chance for this program to get that statement win. And if they are able to do it tonight, I think the steam rolls and the engine keeps going for the Cardinals. And if they're able to wet, rattle off seven wins or something like that, I again, tip of the cap to Marcus Law and Coach Hessen. Both those guys have been doing fantastic work. If they get to that point, not sure, not want to speculate what the exact situation is going on for Spring Mills, but let's just assume that Coach Sims does come back. There might be a head coaching job waiting for Marcus Law at some point somewhere else, too, because he's done a fantastic work with this program. It's the chance for Spring Mills to do something great tonight. It's the chance for Musselman to gain momentum back into what's going to be a tough second half stretch. Someone's going to need it more tonight. Well, well, that's what I wanted to say. I mean, we talk a lot about Spring Mills. If Musselman wins this game tonight, we got to talk about what that means really quickly, too. And that Mm -hmm. means that Brian Thomas has been in this area for a long time, and Musselman just they've always been on top. Yep. You know, they've always been number the, the, the team right behind Martinsburg in a perennial playoff powerhouse. Regardless of who that top contender is, Musselman's always been there to defend them off, and that speaks to the level of culture of a program that Coach Thomas has won. So if Spring Mills wins tonight, like Park said, they've arrived. They're yep. probably a playoff team. If Musselman wins tonight, it speaks to the juggernaut of the the empire of the, the Appleman that they have there in South Berkeley, how they've been able to stand the test of time. Yeah, this is definitely a bigger game for Spring Mills than I think it is for Musselman, of course. But like we've said, uh, you'll start to get a couple of red flags start to pop up for the Appleman if you lose back-to-back weeks. Of course, a tough, hard-fought, barely lost that game uh, over Morgantown last week, but then losing to a team potentially 
to a team uh, here in Berkeley County could be a tough one. And like you said, Spring Mills, they got all the tools. They just got to put them together and see if they can work on uh, any given Friday. But we'll have that game right here on 90, uh, on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network, starting at 645, kickoff at 7, down in South Berkeley at Waldick Field. They can text us 304-263-4321. We'll come back and we'll talk a little Jefferson football. We were able to catch up uh, with their head coach a little bit earlier this week, and they got a bye week this week, but it's also been an interesting start to the season for the Cougars. We'll chat about that on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Shepherd football fans, remember this name, and he's currently playing for the Keel Vaulted Hurricanes. It's B.J. Davis. Joining us on the line now is Jacob Infante, contributor to SB Nation, of course, somebody that covers the Chicago Bears. Joining us to talk a little bit more about TBT, West Virginia basketball legend, it's John Flowers. Want to revisit an episode of Panhandle Sports Live? Follow the Panhandle News Network on Spotify today. Welcome back. I'm Jordan Icewater. Alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. So a team that's got a break this week are the Jefferson Cougars. Now they're coming off a real tough couple of games here. Of course, they started the game or started the season with that 21 to 19 nail biting win over Spring Mills. They go to triple overtime against Sharando and lose 34 to 28, and then get a big 42 to 20 win over Spring ba- Valley in week three. So they got an off week this week ahead of Martinsburg, and we were able to catch up with Coach Craig Hunter because uh, well, he's always a fun guy to talk to, and it's interesting to hear how his team is. Back bouncing back and bouncing through this tough season. Now, Coach, you had a, a big win last week over Spring Valley, 42-20 uh, to 20, the final score. Now, a lot of people had eyes on that game because Spring Valley, of course, always comes with a little bit of extra something. And uh, you guys, of course, are trying to make a push for playoffs again this year. So looking back at your win last week, a good win. How are you feeling looking at tape? Uh, you know, there's, there's still – I mean, we, we did some things right. So one of the things we wanted to make sure and focus on – that we finished the fight and we scored points in the second half, uh, which we were able to accomplish. But there's still some things on film that we saw that we just need to get still clean up. You know, still early in the season, there's some things that we need to get taken care of. Just playing more assignment, assignment detailed football. Um, and that's what, we, that's what we're trying to do this week during our bye week. Well, Coach, uh, especially coming after that three-overtime game against Sharando the week before, uh, which ended up in a loss 34-28 to for y'all, you got to feel good with how your team bounced back uh, and then coming up against Spring Valley. Yeah, you know, we've seen – we've had three games in a row – well, three games – but three games in a row where we faced some, a little bit of adversity in those games. You know, we faced some adversity in the, in the Spring Mills game coming down to the wire, uh, the, faced some adversity during the um, – Sharando game, and they continued to fight all the way through the game in the triple overtime. And then we, we had a little bit but in the first half, so we faced some adversity going into halftime down that game and be able to come out in the second half um, and explode for some points in the second half and get some stops and all that all the good things that we needed to do to, to orchestrate that win. So I'm, I, feel, I feel pretty good at how the kids have responded to the different types of adversity we've seen over the last three weeks. Uh, Coach, I want to ask you about your defense. Obviously, you've been at Jefferson for a while now, and, and, and it seems as though you've got some pretty legitimate playmakers at every level. Goins can get after the quarterback. You've got Jacobs and Melive at that linebacker position, speed in the secondary. It seems as though it, it's a pretty balanced attack, and you guys are able to do a lot of things very well. In terms of the balance and the personnel that you have on defense, is this about as deep as a Jefferson defense has been since you've been the head coach? I, I would say... Probably so. It's probably about a, a all well-rounded, the best all well-rounded defense that I've had here at Jefferson High School, uh, probably since I've been coaching. Um, these guys, these guys get after the. Get, they, we can get after the. We can get after the quarterback. We can cover in the back end. 
Um, you know, there's still, like I said, this is some detailed things we just got to clean up to make sure it's all hopefully a, a top-notch defense, not only in this area, but in the state. Uh, and, and, Coach, obviously you also have some significant depth at your skill position players, and I, I hate to highlight just one, but Jackson Rockwell was somebody that you touched on coming into the season as potentially, you know, pushing for that quarterback spot. He didn't get it. He moves to wide receiver and defensive back, and he's been excellent, especially as a pass catcher. Was this something that you kind of saw coming in the preseason that he could be you know, you know a really down the field threat or has this been a little bit of a surprise we saw that in the throughout the summer as jackson was uh back of quarterback spot when he wasn't a quarterback he was always at receiver and coach i wanted to bring up quickly the uh Charando game from a couple weeks ago is that the longest game you've ever been a part of as a coach or a player in any <laughs> environment because it, it felt that it felt like that one ended up being a marathon depending on all the things that went down in that game talk about the emotions from that game and how important it was and how Really, it was a statement to your team's growth to take that Sharando game and turn it into a big time win over Spring Valley. Oh, well, you know, it, it was it was it was a really long game. Um, you know, we get to get kickoff was at six o'clock. And I don't think we ended till after about after ten, maybe almost close to ten. So it was an extremely long game. I just thought the kids, the emotions of that game. Um, you go in, you 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 have the lead, you lose the lead, um, you go into overtime. You go in, you kick a field goal, you miss the field goal. You've seen their field goal kicker kick the ball in the end zone on kickoffs and then kick a 40-some-yard field goal in the game, and they're at the 10-yard, at the 5-yard line about to kick a field goal, and you're like sitting there thinking, like, oh, well, we know what this is going to happen here. And then he kicks it and hits, and hits the crossbar, and they miss it, and then we go right back in another overtime, and then, you know, we score, and it takes them the fourth down to score again. Um so it was just a roller coaster of emotions um, going going through that game, and, and for the team to lose the way we lost, and to be able to, you know, bounce back, knowing that we were staring at Spring Valley, who, you know, is a perennial powerhouse team in the state of West Virginia, just to be able to staring down that team um, coming into the week, getting to the bye week, so we can try to fix some things that we see that were that were that were missing that we're not clicking on uh, to get ready for the next game. Well, of course, Coach, looking at your uh, schedule here, you have the bye week this week, which gives you plenty of time to get ready uh, for the Martinsburg Bulldogs going on the road to play Martinsburg. Of course, not that long of a road trip. But you have the rest of your EPAC matchups in there, but also sprinkled in a couple of Maryland teams, uh, Virginia teams, and things like that. So the the final part, half of your schedule, is definitely an interesting one here. Uh, does that give itself or give you some problems with it being, you know, EPAC, EPAC, and then having to transition things into these out-of-state teams? I would I would say no because most of most of the out of state teams except for one we played before so we're familiar with them um, so it's nothing different about us transitioning from EPAC to out of state teams um, it's nobody really new on the schedule this year except for one team uh, which is the Clarksburg team down in Maryland um, other than that everybody we're familiar with they've seen us we've seen them um, so they haven't had coaching changes or so far that I know of any style changes. Well, Coach, what does um, what what does a bye week look like for the Jefferson Cougars? It's, it's nestled between two really tough games on your schedule. Is it more of a recovery week, or, or like you said, more of an install week to to try to fix some of the the the, the mistakes through the first couple of games of the season? A little bit of both. You know, you got some kids that got that are banged up. You know, you give them maybe some days off, let them rest. Um, we're not going to do a whole bunch of heavy hitting this week at all. Um, we're going to we're going to get back to some basics of. 
go back to techniques that we were using, some things that we're not doing properly, um, making sure that everybody's understanding offensively what we're doing, um, and then defensively making sure everybody's understanding where they're supposed to be on certain assignments within the defensive scheme or what, what call was called. So things of that nature. So making sure that everybody knows where, where, so making sure like the free safety knows where the corner and the linebackers are supposed to be in a certain coverage. So we're just doing, making sure that everybody knows the intricate parts of where everybody's supposed to be. You know, we, we try to follow a montage of, you know, if you do your job, then everything else will fall into place. Uh, we don't want you out there trying to cover up for somebody else all the time because then you're not doing your job. So that's what we're trying to get back to this week and making sure everybody understands that. Well, of course, Coach, you got the bye week ahead of this Martinsburg game. I think we could probably uh, answer this question for you, but what are some of the things you're looking at uh, coming up against the Bulldogs this in two weeks? <laughs> um, I mean, they're typ- I mean, right now they're Martinsburg. I mean, they're, they're everything that you see every year. I mean, they're big up front. They get after you. They're physical. They're aggressive. Uh, they're fast. Um, you know, we've seen a couple games on them, and, and you know, they're just – you know, basically from the from the outside looking in, I know that Coach Walker's back, but from the outside looking in, it's, nothing's changed. It's a typical Marsburg team. Uh, we're just going to we want to get prepared. Um, you know, make make as little mistakes as we possibly can against them because uh, they do a very good job of taking advantage of the mistakes you make. Um, so we want to limit our mistakes. Uh, make sure we try to try to limit their speed as best we can uh, when we got them when we got them tied up or make sure we make tackles on them. I mean, those are things that we, we've got to try to do. I mean, so far people have had problems doing it. Um, hopefully we can, we can do a better job than some of the other teams have and, you know, put out a good, put out a good product there next week. Yeah. We've been speaking with Jefferson head football coach, Craig Hunter, sir. Thanks for taking a little time to chat with us and keep up the good work. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you, coach. And that's us catching up with uh, Coach Hunter a couple days ago ahead of their bye week this week, which is always interesting to see how coaches handle a bye week, especially kind of early in the season like this. Because if you think you wait another week or two to have your bye week, then you're probably more into a, an R&R type of break where, you know, you're trying to get your rest going, you're getting everybody recovered, everybody recuperated, uh, rest and relaxation as well as going for there. And then, um, but with it being this early in the season, and Jefferson doesn't really have those kind of issues. So like you asked him, uh, it, it's a it's a different type of bye week for the Cougars. Yeah, I think so. And at this point in the season, you know, Jefferson last year had lost a couple of tight games. They were one and two. This year they've won a couple of tight games, and they're two and one. And I think they're in a pretty good spot coming off of a pretty demonstrative victory against Spring Valley. He's a little down this year, but that's still a quality win. You know, test your medal against Martinsburg next week, and then you've got – you know, the, the point of the season that's going to decide where you're going to finish and whether or not you're able to host a playoff game. If you're able to rattle off three consecutive victories after Martinsburg against Hedgesville South uh, and Mill, Millbrook, who you were able to beat last uh, last year, and then you've got that Musselman game that's going to decide a lot of things before taking on an out-of-state opponent and then Washington uh, for a little Jefferson County rivalry to end out the season. They're in good sh- shape right now. You know, health-wise, they're they're pretty all right. Bye week's coming at a good time because they, you know, some bumps and bruises and things like that, and still trying to figure out how to fully evolve this offense. We didn't expect Rockwell to be as big of a receiving threat as he has turned into this season. You know, Keyshawn's doing Keyshawn things, and Quentin Goins is, you know, put his flag in the ground. I mean, between him and Fleming and Williston, I find it hard to believe that there's a more talented edge rusher anywhere else in the state. So, you know, Jefferson's in a really good spot right now, uh, and I'm excited to see what they're going to look like coming out of the bye week, you know, just kind of throwing caution to the wind and going after Martinsburg. Yeah, and for Jefferson's sake, 
They were a game out from hosting a playoff game last year. They were a nine seed, or rather, no, 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 wait, they were a ten seed, they right? Were 10, they yeah. were a ten seed. Okay, okay. So they were close to getting to a home playoff game last year. With how it's set up, usually it's two teams out of the EPAC can get themselves into a position to get that home playoff game in the first round. It might come down to, <clears throat> excuse me, might come down to Musselman and Jefferson on the 20th to maybe host a home playoff game and Musselman is able to beat Spring Mills tonight. It These are the type of situations that you find yourself in. I mean, the Martinsburg game, you got a chance you're rested, a chance to fully attack the Bulldogs at full strength. I think that's going to be one of the bigger tests this season for a Martinsburg team that has looked like world beaters at this point. And then I think the back half of this schedule is pretty favorable, I think, for Jefferson. Outside of the Musselman game, Hedgesville, I think, is going to be a test for them. If Hedgesville is able to get it together and they might be in a position where their backs are against the wall. Or you got down the line, I think those are the two big tests. There's there's a real shot that this team could host a playoff game. In a different scenario, they're 3-0 and coming off big overtime win against Sharando and beating up Spring Valley. And this team looks like they're going to be probably a top five team in another world. But it's a team that has a lot of great pieces. If they're able to put some things together, I think this is a team that could be top six in the entire state playoffs in AAA. But what do you think about this West Virginia High School football Friday tonight? Text us 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll step aside, come back, get Parker's picks, and start to wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Can't get enough of Panhandle Sports? Head to PanhandleNewsNetwork.com for articles on your favorite teams. To Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Winter alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it's never fails. Never failed once. Last night, we did pretty good for Thursday night football. I was running a four leg last night. My picks for yesterday's show, we went two for three overall. Yesterday's lock was TJ Hawkinson's over on receptions, which he was able to get with seven receiving yards for Hawkinson also was over. And then Jefferson, we were able to hit the over on receiving yards. He ended up going for 159. I mean, he's he's just a special talent. Justin Jefferson's something else. But Devontae Smith was under on receptions at four. We needed the five and a half mark, so we missed our perfect slate for Thursday. But again, a great game from Jefferson and Devontae Smith too. That that uh, take I had yesterday that he's going to be the number one wide receiver in Philly. Well, by do the you end remember when every mock draft had Justin Jefferson going to the Eagles and they ended up with Jalen Rager instead? I mean, That's it made tough. so much sense at the time. Yeah. But, you know, Eagles tough. can't have everything. Tough scenes. But, uh, you know, we're going into the weekend, which means we got college football coming up on Saturday. And all, all I'm going to say is they done made this personal. So, I'm out of my own business watching some film, trying to get ready, trying to get out here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that they have said about us. Talk to us. Once again. Uh, talk to us. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts off, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they on Mass Brown made it what? It was just going to be a good game. They on Mass Brown and made it. Personal. It was going to be a great test. Talk to them, Prime. They made it personal. They done turn around and made Parker's picks personal. Colorado covers the spread, 
and then some is this weekend's lock of the day for college football. This Let's is have it. this is going to be ugly, guys. This is not this is they're going to lay on the score on them after that. It, this is going to be ugly. What what was supposed to be maybe a trap game for Colorado just turned into a, a behind whooping for what's going to be Colorado State to put it lightly. And I think Shadur Sanders. I'm, this isn't part of my picks, but I think Shadur Sanders is going to have a great game as well. He's going to throw it for three touchdowns in this contest, and he's going to be. They're, they're, it's, it's not going to be pretty in Colorado. That's that's all I'm going to say on that. But also for this game, a big storyline this season, we've talked about it and commented on it, the uh, Iowa points situation going on. Brian Ferentz, their offensive coordinator, he has to average 25 points a game this season for the Iowa offense or he's going to get fired. They're playing Western Michigan. And, I, guys, I don't think the points over is hitting in this game. I'm taking the under Uh-oh. again. I'm taking it Uh-oh. again. It's just I, I don't think he's going to get a job. I, the Iowa offense is just anemic. It's not good. I mean, the defense is fantastic for Iowa. They just can't put anything together on offense. And I think the under is still going to hit for Iowa. It's 42 and a half. I, I'm still rolling with it. I just think it's a good as goal to get for your picks. And I know this, this is what you've been waiting on, the backyard brawl. And my pick to win the backyard brawl. If you listen at the start of the show, I already gave it away. West Virginia is winning this game because it's a home crowd, home environment. Pitt's not that good this year. They got beat by Cincinnati. I just think this is this is the chance for Neil Brown to save his job, at least for this season, and he's going to do that with West Virginia. The fan base is going to come out in droves. It's been a sellout for weeks at this point. The place is going to be going nuts. I'm taking the Mountaineers to win and maybe even win big against Pitt. I, I said 10-plus points in this. I think it's a real possibility that 10-plus point win for West Virginia could happen. So Colorado covers the spread this weekend's lock for college football. We've got WVU with the win. We've got, as well, the under on points. And then NFL action, we got Chargers with the win over the Titans is what I'm picking this weekend. I got the Giants getting a good bounce-back win over the Cardinals, and I'm taking the under on passing yards for Zach Wilson against the Cowboys. Hey, you're taking a lot of unders this weekend. It's an under weekend Man. for the most part. I don't like it. And you're just hoping for boring football. <laughs> I mean, Iowa football is boring to be. Stick to the Big Ten, Goward. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Well, all right. There you go. I, I think, I don't know. I don't want to necessarily give out a, a, a pick for the, I guess I might as well. I think West Virginia does win this game. I think it comes down to the wire like last year did. But I think the ultimate deciding factor is that instead of it being in Pittsburgh, it's at home. It's at uh, Milan Puskar. You know, West Virginia fans have been waiting for this for so many years to get Pitt back at home. So I think that ends up being the uh, the ultimate deciding factor. So we'll see. But that game's on Saturday. I uh, got the Ernie McCook, or the Ernie McCook show was yesterday on uh, 95.9 The Big Dog, 730 to 8.30. Uh, every Thursday, football Thursday, if you go over to our um, Facebook and Spotify page, I'll have the show up there a little bit later on. But a lot of interesting things talked about there from Coach. And the one thing I was uh, – I, I felt bad kind of setting him up for a tough question last night when I asked him this. But – from my point of view, and you guys are down on the field, so you might you will have an even better perspective on this, but especially towards the end of the game and throughout the game, it seemed like things were getting pretty chippy after the whistle, you know, late hits, scratching, kicking, this and that. And yes, physical's a or football's a physical game, but it looked like Edinburgh was crossing that line a little bit. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you're every team Super Bowl. You know, everybody t- looks to see Shepard on their schedule and circle that game, and they want to go up against the best of the best, and they try to get an edge in every any way they can. I think that some of that behavior was reciprocated by Shepard mm-hmm. early, but it mm-hmm. was quickly squashed by the coaches who let cooler heads prevail. Because why, Parker? What they, what shouldn't they do? 
what be a no, don't be a marshmallow or a jelly bean. No, 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 no. no. What, what, should, what should they not take? What does Coach McCook tell them? Oh, uh, do? don't don't take that cheese. Don't, don't take, take the cheese. Like, if you didn't hear the rock marshmallow jelly bean conversation <laughs> last night, you <laughs> missed out. One. You need to listen <laughs> to that. That's a great but one. When things at the end, when the game was decided, Edinburgh, you know, didn't really end the game in the most sportsmanlike way. Shepard did a really good job of pulling guys away, and, and that's something that's going to be a trend the rest of the season. If Shepard's not going to be able to put teams away by three, four, five, six scores like they've been able to in the Bajan era, you know, and these games are going to be tight. You got to have to figure out how to close out and win these games first of all, and second of all, but keep everybody on your sideline, you know, not suspended, not you know, really riled up. That's something that very well can happen against Cal because yep. it was a tight game last year when you played Cal, and Cal's coming off of a crazy scoring 24 points in the fourth quarter to come back and win a uh, game in the first game they played this season. So I expect it to be another energetic and close game. And like you said, Shepard's now been put in a situation where they know how to win tight games because they've done it two weeks in a row, and now they know how to win games when the atmosphere is against them and players get a little chippy. No matter what happens this weekend for Shepard, I think it's going to confirm something to all of us and everybody around the nation, either that Shepard is still where they were, it's just they're winning in different ways, or Shepard maybe has taken a step back from what they were a couple years ago. Maybe the ceiling for what they are as a program right now maybe goes down a rung than what mm -hmm. we potentially thought. Maybe instead of going to the Final Four, it's maybe making the playoffs and winning a playoff game. Right. Which, I mean, it, it's been longstanding success at this program. A step back is disappointing in their eyes, but at where we're at right now, you think about it, everybody knew it's been brought in. It's a chance for them to make a statement against Cal. If if it's a game where they come out and win this on the road and it's tight, it proves to people, hey, Shepard's just winning games in a whole different way. Yep. Still the Shepard Rams you knew and made it to the Final Four last year. If they if they lose this game, then expect everybody to be down on the Rams national media wise mm -hmm. at that point. And it, and it just just could be an underdog ride for Shepard, I think, at that point. Well, this team is not built like the last – call it the last three years not of Shepard football. I mean, when you got a guy like Tyson Bajan that can literally score – I mean, just himself, he can make guys score multiple, multiple touchdowns. I mean, they were just beating teams to a pulp in the first half and then being able to kind of cruise through things. But this team isn't quite built that way. Seth Morgan's not the guy that's going to try and hit you with the deep ball every play or hit you with a touchdown play. They're going to work down the field. They're going to take some time off the clock and uh, grind through a couple of these wins. Now, this Cal game is going to be tough. They kick off at 12 noon uh, on the road at Cal against the Vulcans, Cal PA, in between uh, uh, Pittsburgh and Morgantown, pretty much. But um, we'll have the call over on 95.9. The Big Dog pregame show starting at 11 tomorrow, kickoff at 12 noon. But this will definitely be a big-time game for the Rams. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to call this one, fellas. I mean, the defense is coming back. I mean, the defense is pretty much back at this point, but it's hard to tell. But real quick, final thoughts, fellas? Uh, the other high school football games tonight, Martinsburg against Woodson, Hedgesville against Herbert Hoover, Washington against John Marshall. We'll talk about those on Monday. And, guys, keep an eye on the Orioles. They've lost three in a row. A little concerning. I love that Justin Jefferson, if he retired today, would be the greatest wide receiver in Chicago Bears history. <laughs> it's funny. Well, that does it for us today. If you missed any show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on the Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page, and we'll have plenty to talk about on Monday. Have a good one. Talk to you then. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.